0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by one of the men of Moses Lake Baptist Church. We hope that it is a blessing to you and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. We'll be in Second Timothy chapter two, so. We'll, we'll get there, we'll get there. So uh, I, I don't know, in case you guys have been hiding today and don't realize what day it is, it is Veterans Day, uh, so I'd like to welcome you up to speed with that. But uh, this is really a day that our country sets aside to uh, really honor those who have fought and who have served for our country and uh, really still serve for uh, protecting our freedoms, protecting our rights, um, and even you know, our, our physical country, our homes. And uh, we want to. I, I want to say how much I appreciate um, from here, how much I appreciate our, our servicemen and service women for their willingness to sacrifice for our country and uh, sacrifice for us uh, as the people here. So, um, I I think you know when I was thinking about this, I, I think we lived in a live in a blessed area. I look at the Pacific Northwest and I consider this um, a, a part of our country that really respects. Uh, our servicemen and servicewomen. And, uh, you know, I was, was kind of looking and I was, I was just curious how many, how many uh, military members we have just in Washington state. I was surprised with 520,000 veterans in Washington state and uh, half a million um, individuals who have served our country. And uh, I, I'm even thankful even here for the Moses Lake area, the I think we have a a great sense of uh, patriotism and just some uh, good biblical views even here in our community, and I'm thankful for that. Um, But when I think about individuals who are serving in the military, um, there's this big idea that the the individuals are serving um, because they believe in something greater, they believe in something that uh, they want to be a part of. It's not necessarily about them, but it's part of a, a greater good. And, um, you know, what What they're doing or what they believe they're doing is more important than something that they can accomplish on their own. And there's this greater good that drives them even to war and even to, to combat, to protect what they believe in. And that greater good, I believe, is something that often even as Christians, we neglect uh, or take for granted and forget to thank God for. You know, someone once wrote this, that it's the veteran, not the reporter, who has given us the freedom of press. It's the veteran, not the poet, who has given us the freedom of speech. It is the veteran, not the campus organizer, who's given us the freedom to assemble. It's the veteran, not the politician, who's given us the right to vote. And it's the veteran, not the preacher, who's given us the freedom of religion. I think uh, veterans all over the centuries have sacrificed so much to obtain and to preserve the precious freedoms that we have today. And I think that also includes our God-given right to worship our creator and worship that creator anytime and anywhere. I think that's what our American flag represents. But we also have another freedom, and uh, that's represented by a different flag, that Christian flag that many of us know. And this, this greater freedom can only be found in Christ, who died as a ransom to set us free. And this freedom from this life of futility, this freedom from the tyranny of sin, from regret, hate, bitterness, it's the freedom to love God and to love our neighbor, and to serve either of these flags and the freedoms that they represent, it's effectively, I think we must meet some certain requirements when we think about it. I was thinking, you know, dummy me. I was like, what does veteran even mean? So I looked it up. It's a person who has significant experience or expertise in an occupation or field. Okay. So I was thinking, you know, what, what must we do to be a veteran? So my question that I hope to jump into to today is, what does it take to become a veteran? And not just a military veteran, but for us as Christians, spiritual veterans. And I, I think the, the Apostle Paul, we would all agree, knew a little bit something about this. He's, uh, he's enlisted in the Lord's army after encountering, uh, encountering the Lord on the road to Damascus and uh, enduring several dangers and, and toils and snares along the way. And uh, I think Paul was a, a veteran Christian, if there ever was one. And toward the end of his life, while facing execution for his commitment to Christ, Paul sat in this cold jail cell in Rome. And he had a quill and a parchment paper. And he knew soon he would be executed for. Uh, the, for the, the beliefs that he had, for, for acting on those beliefs. And he wrote his final thoughts to a young pastor, Timothy. And he's passing on that torch of leadership to him as he penned those pages, reminding him what was truly important and encouraging him to keep the faith. And that's where we'll be at uh, here tonight in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we'll look at verses 3 and 4. Paul makes this brief statement, Um, he says in in, in verse three, thou for endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth or engages entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who have chosen or enlisted him to be a soldier. In these two verses, uh, I'm gonna break apart a few of these ideas here these ideas of enlist, endure, engage, and entangle. And they're each representing different aspects of what it takes to be a veteran soldier of Christ. So uh, before we get after it tonight, I'd just like to open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you um, just for the many lives that uh, have been sacrificed for our freedoms. Lord, I thank you for the blessing that you've had on this nation. And uh, Lord, we just uh, don't want to take that for granted. We know that any freedoms that we have, uh, any blessings that we have ultimately come from you. And Father, as we look at this text uh, that Paul wrote to Timothy, I just pray that there might be some truths here that we can take away as Christians, that we may um, continue the fight and we may um, continue to um, live to glorify you, and uh, Lord, that uh, the, the things that we do would be honoring. So Father, I just pray here tonight that uh, the words that uh, I've prepared, that uh, you've put on my heart, Lord, would just come across. Pray that uh, I'd speak clearly, and Lord, that your name would be glorified here tonight. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, the first thing, as I mentioned, I want to talk about is enlist, Uh, I I think it's pretty clear that you can't be a veteran if you don't first enlist. You know, thankfully, since 1973, our country doesn't have a draft. And uh, that draft would force men and women uh, into the military. All of our recruitment services for our um, American military is what we call selective service. And this is where recruitment officers go out, and they're sent to encourage people to participate, to to, uh, want to be a part of what their country's about. But ultimately, those men and women, they have the freedom to choose whether they're going to serve their country or not. And people make that choice for different reasons. We know the military offers some benefits, like paying for college. We know some some individuals want to join the military out of a... Um, a patriotic duty. Maybe some were raised in military families. They want to continue that footstep that, um, you know, hey, this is what my family's always done. I want to be a part of what my family's always done. And some, they, they're looking for some sense of direction. They're looking to um, some purpose for their lives, and they see the military might be able to offer that for them. You know, no matter what that reason is to join the military, it's a, it's a tough decision. It's life-changing. And um, to, to up and leave everything behind to, to go give your life for your country. And I think like the military, God doesn't force anyone to serve him or serve for his, um, for his kingdom's sake either. He does send out recruiters. He sends out you and I to go share that gospel, to encourage people to take up and serve in his army but it's an individual choice. And I think similar to the military, people make that decision for personal reasons. We all have our reasons in here tonight for why we've accepted to follow Christ. Maybe you were brought up in the faith of your parents. Maybe you sense that God was leading in your life in a certain direction or a certain way. Maybe you came to Christ for a sense of purpose or a sense of direction. I think no matter what the reason is, it's a life-changing decision, just like it is to join the military. Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." Christ isn't saying to hate your family. He's not saying to hate yourself. If you look at the context of that word hate, it really means in comparison to the love that we have for Christ. And following Jesus is a life-altering commitment that really requires some full devotion. It's a personal pledge that um, you're going to let Christ be the leader of your life. And I'm certain there's many of us here tonight that would say, hey, that's the best decision I ever made, all right? The thing about enlisting in God's army, just like the American army, is you cannot be all out devoted to two different countries. And the same is, it's, it's the same for a Christian. We cannot be devoted to God and self. We cannot be devoted to God and career, God and money, God and possessions, God and comfort. We must select that which becomes our identity. And to become a spiritual veteran, we must enlist. The next step to be a veteran is to endure. You know, American soldier and soldiers in every branch of the military have a lot to endure. I'm sure we've all heard the stories of what's involved in boot camp or different trainings that a soldier must go through. I'm sorry, but anything over two push-ups for me is enough to endure, right? You know, I, I think, of course, in the military, there's, there's uh, less physical hardships that a soldier would go through as they're preparing. And I think one of those hardships would be leaving friends and family behind. I think that's a big deal. And, uh, you know, I think it can be very difficult. And then you look in the military, you have this rigidity of the military life. It's often personified in, in ranking officers. I uh, came across a story this week about an Air Force major. This major was promoted to a colonel, and in his, in his promotion, he was given a new office. So as uh, first day, first morning, the new office, he wanted to make a good impression. A young airman knocked on the door and asked to speak with him. And the colonel, feeling the urge to prove himself to this young airman, picks up his phone real quick and he says, yes, general, thank you, yes. I will pass that information along to the president this afternoon. Yes, goodbye, sir. Then turning to the airman, he barked, what do you want? He's like, sir, it's not important. Just here to hook up your telephone. (laughs) You know, I think every military branch has endurance as part of that basic training as a soldier, and if you want to be a veteran, you have to have endurance. As Paul told Timothy in verses 3 of our text today, it says, Thou for endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, thank God that we live in a country where Christians don't experience the kind of hardships that we hear other Christians have to endure uh, across this world. And I think those are some hardships that even Paul experienced during his missionary journeys. We know that Paul was flogged. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked amongst many other things. And uh, I'm just glad that, that we don't have those. But I think even as Americans, we, we go through hardships. Our faith is tested, right? Those, those hard times come in our lives. Bad things happen. I think James reminds us and James 1, verses 2 and 3, that when troubles come our way, we can, should consider it a great opportunity for joy, that our faith is tested, that our endurance has a chance to grow. And I think just like American soldiers, soldiers of Christ, we also must endure to keep the faith. We need to continue to praise God amidst our struggles. You know, we may not see that physical persecution that other countries are seeing, However, we're, we're seeing a very powerful persecution starting to come over our country. It's a political one. It's emotional. We have a social, and it's very real. You know, I think we see the government and media are trying to draw, draw those of us who are biblical believers, trying to draw us out for that, portraying Christians as these fanatics, as racists, as intolerant people. And this persecution is, is so much more subtle And having to publicly die uh, for your belief in God. I believe that the devil is being that ever evil, sneaky being that he is. He's at work. And he's not leaving us alone. He's undermining Christianity. He's undermining Christians. uh, He's undermining the name of Christ. And when the, the Bible was written, I think we can all, we know the Bible, there's a lot of corruption then, and that corruption continues today. And I, I just think of some of pastors' messages on Sunday mornings through 1 Corinthians. You look at the, the culture he's, he's taught us that, that was seen in Corinth, and there's some crazy beliefs, and these are even crazier things happening in the temples there. And I'm sure people who denounced those actions were scorned for their abstinence, or scorned for their refrain. And I look at our society today, and there's this choice that if we remain in a heterosexual committed relationship as a, as a person with our God-given gender, we're now considered old-fashioned. We're, we're considered closed-minded. Abstaining from alcohol or, or dressing modestly are, are called boring or even backwards. And this isn't a one-step process. Just as soldiers get up every morning and even multiple times a day, they remind themselves of what they committed themselves to. They remember why they're fighting, and we must remember what we're fighting for. Satan knows that if he can win one little mindset of ours, that tiny value that we hold on to, he has a grip that will continue to degrade our moral compass over time. I think every day, even sometimes every hour, every minute. God has called us to endure our faith, and we're called to remember who we're living for and the values behind the decisions that we make. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 16, it says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things which are, which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We must endure as our work here is temporary, but the big picture we must remember is eternity. So as we enlist as we endure, we also need to engage. There was a General Sir, uh, Sherman. He was an American soldier who served in the, the Union Army in the Civil War. He, he once said, you don't know the horrible aspects of war. I've been through, through two wars and I know. I've seen cities and homes and ashes. I, I've seen thousands of men lying on the ground, their dead faces looking up at the skies. I tell you, war is hell. You know, while I've never experienced the horrible aspects of war, I have a great respect for those who have been engaged in war. Even those service men and women who are blessed to serve in times of peace, however, they must always remain ready to engage the enemy. And through training exercises, combat practice, the goal always is to stay sharp, Stay vigilant and always be ready. And as, as Christians, you know we need to do the same. Paul explains in Second Corinthians 10, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. In other words, as, as soldiers of Jesus Christ, we have to be ready to engage in spiritual warfare. We battle temptation. We stand opposed to false religions and worldviews that are hostile towards Christianity. We are called to defend our faith with reason, with reason and precision. And we can't be afraid to stand up to Jesus, whether it's in a public square or whether it's in our personal relationships. You know, God's expecting us to take captives. And that means we must surrender our thoughts, surrender our ideas, surrender what we think is right, and we need to give those to Christ. But we also must do so uh, leading with gentleness and respect. You know, I think one of the great things as I was thinking about this that separates the Lord's army from any army that's ever existed on this earth is we don't kill our enemies. We want to make our enemies our allies. And Jesus never intended for his people to get down into a foxhole in order to stand their ground and stay in place. Jesus told his disciples to go. He told them to move forward, evangelize, anywhere that they could reach. But the mission was to move forward. And being called to engage isn't a defense strategy that we need to have. It's offensive. And we aren't um, believers who should Um, just cherish or hold on to that gospel news, we need to be sharing it openly. And in the Lord's army, we aren't fighting alone. I think that's one of the great joys that we have is we're not in this alone. And just as our military has their squad, their platoon, their company, as they go out and they engage the enemy, they depend on each other. And I think that's one of the great things I love about our church is we depend on one another. We know that, hey, no matter what, You know, Leah's going to be there for me. If I ask him to pray for me, he's going to pray for me, right? And we always have that support for one another. David Dykes, he was a Baptist minister from Texas. He shared this amazing story. In World War II, he writes, uh, they used to hand out Bibles as the men and women used to go fight. And uh, one of the veterans shared his Bible with him when he returned home. A German bullet had punctured through it about halfway, saving his life. It stopped in Psalms 91. And as that bullet went through and you opened up that Bible, it looked like that bullet was almost pointing at Psalm 91:11. And that verse says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. I had just an amazing story. When I, when I read that, I was like, man, that's, that's powerful. As Christians, we shouldn't ever be afraid to engage our friends or our coworkers or our culture. After all, if God's for us, who can be against us? I think, much, much like those who died serving in the military, we may never ultimately see the completion of our mission. I think we see the same thing as Christians. We may not see that day when Christ comes back and defeats Satan, but we must remain faithful. We must remain dedicated to the cause of Jesus Christ, and we must stand firm in one spirit together. And we must engage. So, in order to be to be a veteran, we must enlist, endure, engage. And finally, here tonight, my last point: we must not get entangled. This uh, Paul Paul says this in verse four of our text: No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. You know, I, I heard about a new recruit who had come into the Navy. And he, this new recruit had gone to his officer and said, hey, I, I have a really good friend. Let's get married. I need, I need to go home this weekend. And uh, the officer was kind enough, let him go home to attend the wedding. But he had a condition that he return Sunday by 7 p.m. at his post. And the recruit says, uh, sir, uh, you don't understand. I'm, I'm in the wedding. And the officer said back, and he said, no, you don't understand. You're in the Navy. And I, I think when you serve America, you're, you're expected to be completely committed to your country and allow nothing, nothing in your life prevents you from performing your duties and serving faithfully. And I think when we serve Christ, should we not have that same commitment. You are expected to serve him faithfully, not allowing anything to keep you from doing his will. Unfortunately, I think countless Christians and the Christian faith, we get entangled entangled in the affairs of this world. We let other things become more important to us than Jesus himself. In fact, Jesus told a story about this very thing and he's talking about a farmer who would scatter seed everywhere he went. And in Luke 18, Jesus said, And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with the cares and the riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. I think veterans often speak of their pride in the uniform that they wore, or that they do currently wear and their pride in having served their country. It's not this, um, I don't know if I've ever seen a soldier say, hey, look at me, I'm in the military, I'm great. No, I think it's a part of being a part of this unified mission, this unified front, where they stood firm in one spirit, one mission, and they knew what they needed to do, and even when they didn't, they had faith in the mission that they were assigned to. And they considered it a privilege to sacrifice and suffer because they knew that it was for something bigger than themselves. I would ask you tonight, do you share that same pride in being a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, at times I think Christians even get ashamed at mentioning the name of Jesus. You ever find a Marine who's embarrassed to admit that he's a Marine? If Jesus names the most powerful name in the universe, it alone should be our defense. If we continue this analogy that a Christian lives are spent in battle fighting on the team, on team Jesus against Satan and hell, then it continues to be the thought that we're only as effective as what our focus is. You know, you think about a sniper on a rooftop Sniper needs to take some, some, some focus. They need to be paying attention to their target. If there's a lot of noise and commotion going on around them, they're going to be distracted from their target. If you have a, a fighter jet pilot, and she's flying that jet, and all can she can think about is her family at home, she's going to be distracted from the mission that she's on. You know, I know I referenced politics earlier, but I feel like it's a strong attack that the devil has against us right now, and many people follow have have uh, fallen into you know the the traps of what's going on in Washington D.C. or what our governors are putting out as orders, and it's just entangling us. And these things, you guys, they don't they don't further the kingdom of Christ. They don't exalt the name of Jesus. And there's a lot of gray area gray areas in our lives, and I, I think the the Bible leaves a lot of that to our spiritual discretion that we get led through the Holy Spirit through those times. You know, but there are times when two Christians can both have this biblical and moral reasons for what they believe and they believe that their way is correct and the other is wrong. You know, I saw, I saw this firsthand recently. There were gathering with some friends and two men who I deeply respect had gotten into this heated discussion over our vaccine choices. And the one believes that we're to honor our leaders. The one believes that we're, we're, we're supposed to be an example, open up conversations, so that we might, might have every opportunity to share the gospel with someone. The other firmly, firmly believed that God had called us to be faithful to him that were to, to fight for our freedom in Christ. You know, as I sat listening to both of these men, I made solid points. Both had biblical approaches, both backed by Scripture. The question I, I left with is who's right? And after some thought, I, I believe that in that situation, both men became entangled. They allowed the current affairs to dictate how they communicated to each other. Their communication was filled with hurt. You could tell that there was anger as a part of their conversation. Nobody changed their mind. And the funny thing is, nothing in eternity changed through that conversation. We can't allow ourselves to get so caught up in the minute details that surround us that we miss the blessings and the victory that Christ has for us. We must focus on the finish. The end battle when Christ welcomes us to heaven bans Satan to hell for eternity. That gray areas, they'll always be there. And we should be asking ourselves the questions, is this sin? Is that something a Christian should be doing? But the goal and all of it is we need to glorify Christ through the battle. He is our motivating force. You know, Paul's intention was to encourage the Philippian Christians in the face of their persecution, and they were suffering because of the faith in Jesus Christ. And that's where the privilege lies. When we profess our faith, we know there's going to be ridicule. We know there's going to be pain and suffering that's going to come our way the privilege comes that we know we stood firm, we fought the good fight, we fought side by side with similar-minded people that that help us to better ourselves and ultimately glorify Jesus Christ. We need to be careful about the things that we let distract us from Jesus. As Paul has said um, in Philippians 3, he says, yea, doubt." Doubtless, and I count all things but loss for excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them dung, that I may win Christ. You know, to be a veteran of faith, we can't be entangled. As I said before, there are two types of freedom. Again, very thankful for the men and women who have served and preserve the political freedoms we have, which allow us to freely worship the creator who gave us the greatest freedom of all. You may not be a veteran of our country, but you're called to be a veteran of God. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.